Yes, hi, hey, hello, g'day, and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble podcast. This week, we dissect our disappointing performance and eventual loss to the enemy. We wonder what the hell the APL were thinking. And of course, we answer your questions. I'm Pete, and I'm joined by Luke, Josh, and Morrow. Lads. Gents. Evening, gents. Good evening. Yes, good Quite evening. Quite a few days. Quite a yeah. few days in uh, football, Aussie football. Oh, yeah, nothing, no major news that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. We'll, yeah. of course, cover everything off uh, throughout the course of the show. Let's dive right in, though, as we always do, with Fred's question. Fred wants to know this week if the team that played Western Sydney Wanderers away is available to play this Saturday against Sydney. Very good question. Yeah, where did those be nice. Mm. Yeah. They vanished. They vanished the last sort of couple of games. Um, yeah. I think uh, my concern is at the moment that consistency is going to be our downfall. Um, from what we showed in that Wanderers game, looking like a team that could beat literally anyone in the entire league to what we've seen the last couple of games, albeit with you know a month off or whatever it's been um, on the weekend, it's yeah, it's a very there's a very big difference there, which is a little bit of a worry. Yeah, that performance was uh, disappointing to say the least. It almost felt like the team had met each other that day. There was just no fluidity. There was just the the um, middle middle of the pitch. There was just no one there. Like, was was it Niz that was supposed to press? Was it Ballard that was supposed to press? Like, what was what were, I, we, what were we trying to do? And it just every time there was like a hole for O'Neill to just stroll forward into and start creating something for them. So disappointing to say the least. And in the transitions, then because of that dilemma, then always they seem to have both uh, Thurgate and um, uh, that smelly guy, um, you know, as their outlet. And it felt like we didn't really learn from that too during the game and we didn't really make changes that, you know, solved the problem. And then by the time we did make changes that got us a foothold in the game, then the combination that we've relied on, um, I Garang and and uh, the Cumdingo was not a combination because they weren't on the pitch at the same time, and we didn't really have the answer. So yeah, disappointing. Yeah, I mean it's it's super super flat performance all around, and we'll we'll dive into it in in more depth very soon. But you know, for me on the whole, I'm perhaps not quite at panic stations just yet as as much as some other people might be you know you think back to the start of last season where you know i think after after seven rounds we had you know, three wins on the board um and four losses you know where we're on track for a similar sort of starting record this season uh, it's just about you know making sure that we we turn it around because it took us till round 13 or so to turn it around really last season yeah, we do like to come home with a wet sail recently, for some degree. But yeah, there's 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 a few uh, few tough uh, conversations there. I think for Monty to have with um, a, a couple of players who we thought might play a bit more of a role, but are not at the moment. Well, they are, but not in a good way. Mm. I did like that first minute of the game where 
it was like, oh, okay, we're on today. And then it was all downhill from there. Well, yeah, that first, yeah, first minute uh, was good. The first <laughs> minute was fantastic. Absolutely. We started like an absolute house on fire. Marco Tullio hitting the post. Um, but uh, just like Nicolas Cage, it was absolutely gone in 60 seconds. Yep. And then we burnt our own house down. <laughs> I thought there was plenty of you know effort there and there was even uh, getting stuck in at times. Um, I'm not sure I'd say enough to um, for a derby getting stuck in, but but we were getting stuck in. But despite our effort, then every time we got turned around, then then they were already behind us in the midfield, and then uh, we followed that up by um, being a bit panicky uh, with um, playing out, and and that then led to us losing the ball after a few passes. And once you, uh, it's only a few passes that you're making, then they can get away with being behind in behind us and and being that outlet. So, so yeah, I think you're right, Luke. But also, I think Monty has to question his own part in um, how we approach the end of the game, in particular. At least, actually, maybe not the end of the game, but more so the middle of the game. Um, but to be fair, I don't really think the Socceroos thing helped us. Nah, I agree. When you, say the, think... the, when you say the Socceroos thing, do you mean, you know, the players' selection in the Socceroos or the the fact that there was a well, World well, the, Cup in the middle of the yeah, season? Yeah, I mean, no, I, yeah, good good uh, point of clarification. I mean, in this game, I, I think the fact that uh, the Dingo couldn't play 90 minutes didn't help us because there was no Garang in the Dingo, which has been a reliable um, uh, outlet for us. So there's that. It was definitely, you know, um, good for our club to have the soccer is no two ways about that. But in this game, I don't think it helped us um, in, in how it played out. That's all. Mm. No, you're absolutely spot on though. There was a, a real lack of cohesion, lack of fluidity, uh, even a lack of verticality that, that we'd seen in the games where we have been successful, particularly against what wanderers um, earlier in the season where we were so rapid and so ruthless in getting forward and pressing from the front as well. Um, whereas, you know, on, on Sunday, um, there's a lot of just sideways, side to side. I don't want to say Ocon ball, but it was close. Oh, he's done it. He's Oof. gone and done it. Shadow Palo. I, there it I is. did say this so after the game. It, it, it looked like we'd played 90 minutes before the 90 minutes. <laughs> That's what it looked like to me. Um, yeah. Was, yeah, very much. Very much a lack of urgency. And when we when we were trying to be urgent, we didn't go about it the right way at all. And, yeah, it left Niz exposed. It left Ballard exposed, which then leaves our entire midfield exposed. And they were, they were just playing through us with ease. And mm. I, I think... I think I'm going to vomit after this, but I think full credit to the Jets and uh, Arthur Pappas. They, they they came with a game plan and it worked. They they you know they really picked their moments. They pressed when they thought they could win the ball back, but outside of that, they sat pretty deep and kept sort of 11 men behind the ball for the most part and conserved their energy on what was a hot day. Mm. Let's be honest, it, it was. It wasn't as bad as what I thought it was going to be, but I think their game plan worked exactly to a T. And you know, we we when they had that many men behind the ball, their structure around the box, we couldn't break them down. And we we just looked like in the last fifteen or twenty minutes, we just had zero ideas. It was it was there was no flow, nothing was happening. Um, yeah, we couldn't break them down, and um, we 
probably got the result that we deserved in the end, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine there would have been some, yeah, as you say, some pretty interesting words in the dressing rooms afterwards. I, uh, once again, the players were still in the sheds when I was leaving um, the stadium and I was, I stuck around for a little while afterwards. So yeah, I'm sure there was some, um, Interesting conversations. Oh, to be a fly on the wall for that one there. Um, let's have a bit of a closer look at how it played out. Of course, the first goal to Trent Bahaja in the 12th minute. Um, getting in behind Tommy Aquilina, who we know loves to bomb mm. forward and can be exposed in that sort of role there. I do love a fullback who bombs forward, so I'm not putting holding it entirely against him. But um, also a lack of, uh, lack of tracking um, of Bahaja's run at the back post. He gets so exposed like way too much down that right-hand side. Yeah. yeah, yeah, way too much. Um, it happens far too often. And, yeah, whether whether it's a completely his fault thing, whether it's a structural thing further up the field, I'm not sure. But he, he gets exposed a lot. And, you know, I mean, Daniel Steins, who, who I actually really rated when he was at Perth and when the Jets picked him up, I thought that's a pretty good pickup for them i thought he was nearly their best player and the ball across for trent was perfect and um he he caused us a lot of problems that we couldn't really deal with of course it was uh stated that way until half time jason cummings squaring the ledger not too long after half time a bit of uh, chaos in the box there uh things you love to see jason cummings just swinging a big old left boot at it and uh i think it took a couple of touches on the way through michael weir just flapping at nothing as he likes to do well i was, I was about to say what was jack duncan doing because we got dropped and then well, that's yeah no sudden... that's right yeah yeah that's right yeah, yeah my bad <laughs> Duncan, like, yeah, they're both both not very good. So. They're both, they're yeah, both, you know, just the epitome of what's the goalie doing. So it's easy to mix them up, I suppose. It's not the first time I've mixed up players from uh, from that weekend or from that match as well. So um, less said about that, the better. Oh no, no, no! Keep going, keep going. Oh well, obviously I got a substitution wrong at halftime, and I've been called out for it on the social media. And you know, it's not entirely my fault, but the buck stops with me at the end of the day. I, I got a radio <laughs> call saying that it was a you know a, a certain number that was coming off, and it wasn't that number that was coming off. So um, no, that's when you can shoot the messenger. In fit, no. In fairness, it wasn't entirely <laughs> the messenger's fault because you know there's. It, <sighs> Yeah, it should have gone through a, a different set of hands. And I uh, know it's it's tough to see from that box sometimes, but it's even tougher to see from Bay 16 when the when the sign goes up. I had no idea or well, no way of seeing it anyway. Anyway. How dare you be fallible? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> well played, sir. Don't worry about that stuff. I've uh, made one, one wrong call in, in a few years, I suppose. It's not the end of the world. I think you'll be okay. Speaking of things that went wrong, that second goal, um, that was a very, very soft goal to concede at the back post. Just too easy. Yeah, look, I, I know, Luke, you've uh, been pretty vocal um, about things that went wrong in this sort of situation, I suppose. Well, I guess at least I'm not the only one. At least uh, from what I've seen from after the game, there's um, there's at least a few people that agree with me, which is nice. But... I think Vukovic has got to have some time on the bench. I, mm. I think um, at fault for too many goals this season so far, I mean, what, six games in? And I'd, I'd probably put him down for four, maybe. 
Wellington round one. This is very off the uh, top of my head. Wellington, the back pass goal, the near post goal against MacArthur, and at least at least a second goal on the weekend. I'd put him down for those four, and there could be one or two potentially more. But I, I think I think those four a goalkeeper playing regularly uh, in recent times does better on all those. And I, I think he just he just looks a step off the pace. Some of his decision making isn't ideal. Um, he he does and always has made me very nervous when he tries to play out from the back, which seems to be a thing that we are trying to do pretty often. Um, but the example on the weekend, like the second goal, that you know that that header is well inside the six yard box. Um, you know, of course, he should be marked better. I think that's. That's obviously something that needs needs to be addressed. But for me, any ball that comes across the six-yard box like that has to be the goalkeepers. And if you watch the replay, he goes to come and then he stops, which again, you know, to me says some of his decision making is is not up to par. He's um, yeah, he's he's got a bit of work to do for me to um, to say that he deserves that spot. And I I'd like to see I'd like to see Yaron get a run. Um, I think he's probably bided his time for long enough, been unlucky with injuries. And, yeah, given Vukovic's start to the season, um, I'd be happy to see him have a go. I'd have to agree with that. And because of the, the, was it the FFA Cup game against Sydney, I thought Yaron wasn't too bad. Maybe a couple of iffy moments with shot stopping, but um, I thought his distribution was okay, looked relatively comfortable playing out from the back, which Vuka obviously isn't at the moment. So, yeah, I agree. I think maybe given Yaron uh, the next game, see how he goes, maybe the best way forward. It's a, it's a bit of a bit of an interesting statement, that you, a way that you put it there, because I'd take a shot stopper over a, a keeper that's good with his feet any day of the week. But um, you've got to play him this weekend against Sydney. I think he's going to be up for a big game. Um, and I think he'll bounce back, but it's got to be pretty close to last chance, last chance saloon for him there. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I mean, he, he looks like a goalkeeper that has hardly played in the last 18 months, Yeah, you know, and he's come straight into the starting side, which is fine. But, um, yeah, he, he'd want to switch it around pretty quickly because given it's a, it's a pretty short season, all things considered, and... <laughs> We get to round ten, and he's still costing us goals. Um, we we may look back at the end of the season and say, "Well, um, you know, that's really cost us." I'm willing to give him enough latitude for the moment, but you're right; it has been a disrupted season, so he hasn't really had that chance to come from a situation where he's pretty much on the bench to then being on the Socceroos bench after having a few games with us, and now back and back on the pitch, etc. The thought has crossed my mind too, even though I haven't actually read any of your um, stuff about this, Luke. I didn't realise your opinion about it. I, you know, in my own reviewing that goal, then, yeah, I can see why you might think that he could have done better there. But I don't think, like to me, if um, I'm not sure that he can come in that situation, don't know enough about being a goalkeeper to know whether or not he can judge that well enough. But what I do know is that you can't allow a free header anywhere near the six yard box like that. And we did that. So 
he can have some blame, but he certainly can't have the lion's share of the blame. Somebody had to be covering that guy. I don't know who it was, but Maxi was just like last last chance saloon attempting to get in front of it. And I don't know, that might have even impacted on Vuka's ability to be able to make the save. But yeah, I did wonder whether he should have done better. Yeah. And then, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm completely with you. I think um, that's the first step for that one that's not not 100% on him. But for me, for me, a goalkeeper has to own that six-yard box almost no matter what. No, that you're not wrong. It is goalkeeping 101. So, yeah, let's let's see how he bounces back against Sydney this uh, this Saturday and, and go from there. Let's... I think Monty will give him that chance, you know. Like, we, he's our captain as yep. well. So, you know, there's that aspect to it. So, it'll be interesting, though, because you're right, Luke, they're, they're that, you know, elastic eventually runs out. Let's uh, move on. Past that for the time being, we did see the Mariners uh, score an equaliser only to be once again denied by the VAR. Discuss. I love I love VAR. It's great. There was nothing wrong with the VAR. Fuck out of here. You're kidding. Surely not. Wasn't it the bloke out in the middle? The bloke out in the middle, well, I mean, he was the one that got it right. He was the one that awarded the goal. Yeah, but he, he uh, then came over and changed his mind. Yeah, because he's got VAR in his ear going, oh, look, this is definitely what's happened, blah, blah, blah. Well, I get Didn't... that maybe it is a bit of a chook raffle because the rest of the APL is, but still. <laughs> chook raffles being kind. They wouldn't know how to spell it, let alone organise one. <laughs> I didn't I didn't watch the replay. I only saw it at the ground, but it almost looked as if Roos had, like, his arm up to protect himself from, like, the high boot. Exactly. And that's where the ball kind of landed on him, so... The it's, yeah, plays it's, the not just that. it's not just that. It's, you know, it's 20 seconds before the ball crosses the line. Mm. You know, how many how many passes are we going back? How long is an advantage played? How long does this sort of thing accrue? You know, how, how far, you know, if it was paramount, you wouldn't be able to rewind it. So they're lucky they're not going off <laughs> that footage. But how far are they going back to determine and re-referee these incidents? And we've spoken about it ad nauseum for fucking since VAR came in and it's just to the point now where it's ridiculous. Isn't the turn of phrase they use phase of play. So what, what constitutes a stop of a phase of play into another phase of play? So I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't in the immediate action of scoring the goal either. It was when we won back possession on halfway inside our own half. So yeah. Anyway, was it, was it actually a free kick then? Like this is, this is the whole level of, you know, how long it is afterwards that we've sort of forgotten what it was all about. The ref initially um, puts his arms up and waves an advantage to us. So what Yeah. What was it he was seeing in that first? The high um, boot. The high boot. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it just makes no sense that they could to collectively come up with that decision. And um, they, they took away a goal from Niz, and that's that, that just isn't right. That's the biggest crime here, mm. 100%. But if, if you... If you look at the laws of the game or the laws of bar, whichever way you want to put it, the goal should have stood. Mm-hmm. I've, I'm not. I'm not arguing whether it was a handball. It was a pretty clear handball. But then there's then there's the argument of whether, like you said, how is his hand there because he's protecting himself from the high foot? So should it have been our free kick? And then the referee looks like he plays advantage and he's looking straight at it. So that's that's not what VAR. Is there for? It's there for the howler. 
It's not there to re-referee the game. And if you look at VAR when it comes down to what is a phase of play, blah, 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 it's not when you win possession back. It also has to take into account, does the other team have enough time to reset, which they did. They had basically two chances to reset, once on halfway, once on the edge of the Adenyard box. Um, and it's not, it's the phase of play is not necessarily when you win the ball back. Whether And even if we were deemed to win the ball back illegally, um, the referee was looking right at it. So it's, it's not there to re-referee the game. So the goal should have stood. Even I think if there's it also... was a clear slap of the ball. I think there's also a thing about um, what is the what is a handball because handballs that occur in the box are refereed differently than ones on the field, and so we're a bit lenient about the ones that seem to happen on the pitch. And yeah, then, no, I don't like, think you can. Like, I don't think you can make that argument. He's 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 blatantly slapped the ball down. It was like a volleyball spike. Well, um, it was blatant <laughs> enough, and this is why I question what was going on with the ref. That after the handball, right? Then long before we got anywhere near scoring, I said to me brother, "We do not want to score off this because we're in the shit," and then we did. Mm. So the only person in the stadium who didn't see the handball in the first instance, if you want to call it that, was the referee. So if he saw that there was a high boot, then, I yeah, now I'm back in. I don't understand how the referees can <laughs> contrive that decision, you see, yeah. um, because you can't have it sort of both ways there. Um, yeah. And, I mean, this is this is the wording. From, from what point does VAR check incidents leading to a penalty or a goal? The VAR will only check the attacking possession phase that led to a penalty or goal. The starting point will be limited to the immediate phase. The VAR may not go back to when the attacking team gained possession. The VAR will consider the ability of the opposing defence to reset and the momentum of the attack. They had the chance to reset two times and the attack had no momentum at that point. Goal should have stood. So, I mean, <laughs> clear, clear as to me, but yeah. yeah Nine rules. It's pretty clear to Nine me. Rules say it was a goal. Like, either we implement it right or we piss it off. Bank up your mind. Yeah. How many years have we been saying that for? We're never going to, we're never. It feels like a lifetime. Off, right? So I think people are onto it now, but really what we're doing is we're, we're living through the phase of changing the laws of our game or the interpretation thereof in order to make sure that for the future, the video fits in with the game. It's got nothing to do with football or fans or enjoyment of the game. It's all to do with fitting into this mold of um, we have a VAR so we now need to change the laws of the game and their interpretation in order to make it fit. Sad, really, but um, three years and counting. Every day I know that it's you I need To take the blues away It must be love, love, love It must be love, love So joining us this afternoon on the Coast Football Ramble podcast, of course, is the man himself. It is Sean Millicamp, Mariner CEO. Sean, how are you doing? Yeah, I've been better, gents. I've been better. I'm normally very positive when I like to come on, but it's a, it's a tough time for uh, for football. Tough time for football, that's for sure. 
Yeah, tough time for football. Um, of course, as we saw the news breaking over the last couple of days, the APL in their uh, in their infinite wisdom, of course, uh, unilaterally deciding to host the next three A-League grand finals uh, for both men's and women's in Sydney. Sean, um, how did you sort of, or how did the club sort of find out about that news? What did that sort of look like? Yeah, I, and I think, um, you yeah, know, thanks for having, having me on in this to just at least make sure that, uh, that the information gets out there as to how this played out. Um, but, um, yeah, on Saturday, I was, I was playing baseball. I was out at, uh, out at Hilton Mall uh, there at East Gosford and, um, uh, and, and got the call uh, from the APL saying that um, there's an announcement being made on Monday. We need to get a player there. Uh, and the announcement is that the, um, the A-League will be taking three grand finals, um, the next three grand finals to, to Sydney. Um, so, and, um, yeah, I suppose it, uh, um, it was sort of, one that sort of was presented in a way to me that, you know, this, this decision was done and dusted. Uh, the other clubs were, were aware and on board and uh, we just had to send a player. That was the first time we sort of, uh, sort of heard about it. And just to sort of follow that on, um, you know, generally I try not to bother the, the chairman too much you know, through the weekend. So it wasn't until the next day that I was able to speak to Rich about it. Um, and, um, and yeah, we got the player involved for Monday, but, you know, we had not really um, seen this coming. One of the big things that I sort of picked out of the uh, the APL's announcement was that there was a lengthy consultation period. You know, they'd, they'd spoken with all the key stakeholders, fans, fan groups, um, and and clubs were all involved in in the decision making process. Um, how, how involved were were we as a club or other clubs? I guess to your knowledge as well, in in terms of that consultation, what did the consultation look like? No, I, I, I you know, um, I hadn't been part of it. You know, so so I. I appreciate that um, that the staff at the APL, um, yeah, had gone through their processes and gone through that, but it, but it wasn't a, a collaborative approach involving um, involving all the clubs and um, um, you know like it may have been mentioned a couple of years ago during COVID when there was plenty of other things that were sort of on the agenda and and you know and at a time when the when the code was totally on its knees and broadcast deals weren't clear and and all that so I think I, I can't actually recall that I'm you know um, I'm, I'm sort of trying to rack my brain out uh, as to as to that. So, um, so it's probably been a topic that internal at APL uh, they've been driving for a while, but um, but yeah, it wasn't one that um, one that wasn't one that we saw coming. Yeah, it wasn't one that the the fans saw coming either. And um, you know, having having spoken to to nearly all the fan groups across the league over the last couple of days uh, since the news broke, there's been no consultation from a fan's perspective either, um, or no one that I've spoken to has had any any sort of clue about it anyway. Um, that's that's got to be disappointing. Um, I know the backlash from the fan groups has been massive. Do you think um, the APL sort of expected as much backlash as, as there has been? Um, look, you know, when you know, when they they'd announced it, they they'd said that this won't be a... Uh, an entirely smooth process. So, so I imagine they uh, had planned for a bit of it, probably not to the extent that it had, had uh, has played out for them. Um, and look, if there's if there's one of the outcomes that comes out of this, you know, it's it's a it's a big dark cloud. And if there's a you know, tiny little bit of uh, you know light to shine in there, as I really genuinely hope that that this does make make you know, systemic change in in how this is set up. It's important for fans to know that the current board of the APL doesn't have a representative from Central Coast Mariners, and it has five clubs that are on that. Um, that was been um, sort of structured from the uh, from the APL for some time, and, and and I know Mike has been extremely frustrated with that. 
since uh, since the unbundling in, in that structure, and, um, and and that has probably resulted in this in this situation coming around where uh, where us as a club and our fans and our members haven't been given a chance to, to have a voice or have a say. So we we were never offered a seat on the table at, at um or at the board on the APL. Is that is that what you're saying there? Um, do you know why that was or or how the how the board structure was sort of put together there? Look, that was now quite some time ago. Um, so and, and and I don't actually know. I I haven't asked Mike the question as to how that really came about. I just knew that he was disgruntled at the time. Um, and um, look, and we you know we weren't expecting Mike to um. Uh, to put his hand up for uh, for a role like that at the time, so so I don't think that um, uh, that it would have played out that way. But um, so so I can't really confidently um, answer exactly how that structure came into place. Um, but I'm sure through this process, you know that that will that will get a review. And well, there's a position available now. The Melbourne Victory uh, Chairman has has stepped down uh, from that position, so it's um, it will make changes. That's for sure. How have things sort of played out in the days since the announcement was made? Obviously, we're aware that there was a an unscheduled shareholders or chairman's uh, meeting yesterday. Um, what else has sort of occurred in that time frame? And, um, you know, we heard there was a vote last night as well. How did that sort of play out to your knowledge? Yeah, let, let, me, um, let, let, let me talk to, to what transpired since the announcement. So since the announcement, yeah, there was, uh, there was a, a CEO's meeting. Uh, during that CEO's meeting, they unveiled the strategy in more detail around uh, Festival of Football Week and how that worked with All Stars um, and uh, and some of the plans and and, um, and and I think in time that they will uh, at least explain that. I don't think it's going to be um, of any um, satisfaction to anybody, but at least understand the the part that happened through there uh, in regards to how it was explained through the CEOs and and during this time that's when. Uh, when the noise started to, to grow a little bit, and then last night there was a um, uh, there was a, 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 a chairman's call or a shareholders uh, meeting, so that comes through. So this is where all the shareholders of the league um, you know get together. And what the what the vote uh, was about um, was about you know can we unravel this? Can we go back? Can we actually you know um, re, um, turn this back? So the deal was done, the contract was done, the agreement was made with the government. Um, it was a done deal uh, that's there. So, so there was two parts to this. The first is, you know, who voted for this to happen, who planned for this to happen, and how did it happen? Uh, we did not have a say in that. And then after everything had turned to shit, oh well, let's get everybody together and 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 sort of have a discussion about unraveling it. Um, I've heard mixed messages. I've seen mixed messages, and I do know that some of them are definitely incorrect. I've seen statements from the other clubs. Um, that, that don't match up. I'm, I'm kind of like you guys, um, you know, unsure of exactly what's there because I wasn't in the room and I wasn't there to um, to, to, to acknowledge that that came through. Um, as such, from that meeting, uh, a statement came out from the league um, that um, that initially had all the names of the chairman on it. Uh, I do know that that was not agreed upon. That was not meant to go out uh, the way that it had um, and definitely not agreed upon from Rich uh, in that. And when asked, you know, around the decision around, um, around, you know, do you go back to, to a state government and try to get them to take the money back and unravel this uh, for it with whatever legal ramifications are, um, the, the board had voted uh, in favour of, of, of not doing that or, or I suppose it, um, had, had rejected that, that proposition. So um, 
who voted which way, um, you know, is 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 a bit unclear. Like I said, I've heard different messages, so I'm a bit like you guys uh, in all that. But what I can say is, is I, I believe that by the time that this podcast goes to air, that Rich uh, will be sending an email out to members that that will firmly uh, confirm his position uh, in that and why. So, um, and I think you know, um, it's it's important to note that you know, uh, Rich is is um, you know is is a good person who got into a situation here with a lot of chairmen who were behaving yeah, very strangely around. So, you know, saying one thing and doing others uh, and still continue to do that. So um, so I can only empathise with some of the challenges around what that actually looks like uh, for him. And so at a time when, you know, he is aware that we are the only club that has had grand final stripped office. He, you know, he is aware that, you know, um, uh, there's a high likelihood that the club would get less money uh, if the grand finals did play out this way, um, probably never get the per- the opportunity to actually host a grand final. So, um, so he's looking at what what is what is in the best interest of this club, not what is in the best interest of the league. Uh, and and I think that that's that's an important thing to um, to to think about, you know, really because um, because he's thrust into this position, didn't expect to be on a call. Didn't expect this, you know, to even be a topic um, that was there, and then all of a sudden having to to bend the blade torch and, and make a decision as to what is best uh, for this club and the future of this club financially for this club, yeah, that's there um, is is um, is a difficult situation that that's, um, that I'm going to back, you know, the way that this played out uh, for Rich, uh, that's there. I don't agree with the overall decision. I don't agree with you know the stance that others have taken. Do I agree that Rich had the best interests of our club financially? Um, absolutely, and um, and I've got no problem talking to anybody uh, about that. So, so is that a clear answer to the the you know? There's been two decisions here. Obviously, the initial decision um, that has somehow evolved to recently, and then there's the subsequent decision that that we wouldn't overturn that. So, Rich has only had any involvement in the second of those two. He didn't have any in the first. Yeah, yeah, and, and I'm and I'm confident that by the time this this podcast comes out, that there's an email um, that that supports that, Aaron. And um, uh, and and again, you know, when when I when I really think about that position that that Rich is in, and you know, when you're in that room, you know which way the vote's going to go, you know what's actually going to happen, you know where the other chairman are going to go, um, and to to sit back as a chairman of a club and to go, what is the best interest of my club, and heading down a path that. Uh, would definitely have a negative impact on our club. Um, I think that story hasn't been told. So, uh, yeah, well, obviously reading between the lines, we know which way that's gone. But at what point, like, are you selling out on the fans, though? There's no amount of gaslighting that can convince the fans that, you know, this is a good decision. If there are problems with the finances, if the league is in trouble... Then just come out and say it. Yeah, like for the, I, eight, for I, the eight. I agree with that, Phil. I agree with that, and and I'm not here to to defend the APL. I'm not here to defend the other clubs. Uh, you know, I, but I am here to, you know, at least you know, say exactly truthfully and honestly the way that things have played out for our club. But in 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 a moment in time when things had to move really quickly, um, you know, I you know for for a new chairman to 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 come involved, yeah, that's there with. You know, with with the way things have played out, um, you know, it's it's not one, it's not what people want to hear. I get that, um, you know, but um, but 
I can only talk for, for our club, for my discussions with Rich uh, through today. Um, yeah, that's come through that uh, agree it, don't agree it. It's just saying how it happened. Going back to, I guess, um, sort of potentially drive, this being the big driver of a change in, in maybe the way that the APL, you know, apparently can, uh, conducts uh, consultation with their sort of key stakeholders um, for future big decisions. How quickly do you think that, uh, that sort of process might change if it ever does? Yeah, it's a great question, Pete. I, I really, you know, I'm really um, personally, you know, you know, shaken by, you know, by um, by the way that this has played out. You know, I, I, you know, I think it's totally unfair the position that uh, that that Rich was thrust into. I think it's totally unfair the way that we haven't had the the time and the capacity to understand a situation in its full gravity uh, and to discuss it, flesh it out. You know, uh, Rich goes into that meeting without even having having the chance to speak to myself. You know, going into that. You know, so um, so so yeah. I think that that change here is is really important um, and really important to happen quickly. Um, you know, and look, some of the other you know, um, some of the other chairmen have offered to, to to reach out and speak, and you know, just said to it's not not the time, not the time, and not the place. You know, not for us. You know, um, you know, really really want to make sure that our club. Yeah, uh, we are proud of our community. We are proud of our team. We are proud of, of, of what we do for our community. Uh, we are pr- proud of developing our players. Um, that re- remains you know, our focus and our, our big part of the DNA um, yeah, for it. So, um, I, um, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I proudly sit here and, and, and know that we are one of the few clubs that have ever had to, uh, that, have, um, that have never asked the league for money. Uh, we've never got support from the league. Uh, we stood on our own two feet, you know, and and done it our way, um, and um, and uh, and yeah, yeah, I, I'm 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 passionate and emotional about it because because this is this is really tough for our game. This is this is a big blow for uh, for the code for the game, um, and um, and and yeah, we need some real leadership to get us out of this. Um, speaking yeah. of getting out of stuff, are you aware if? The you know again going back to the money because that's what all this is about. Are you aware of any cost-cutting measures that they have looked at, such as um, you know discontinuing the keep-up app, which costs what thirty million dollars and doesn't work and no one uses? Mate, I didn't know about the grand final, so so you know I can't say that I'm um, <laughs> in those discussions, you know, in, in that level. But I think that is what's going to change here. Um, you know, I agree with you. If this was, you know, um, purely a, a financial thing that, that everybody needed to understand, um, come out and say it and own it and, 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 and deliver it that way. Um, it didn't happen that way, um, you know, and, um, you know, um, that's um, uh, a, a big learning for, for, for everybody in this moment. Whether I the... saw someone call it fansplaining, which is kind of what it is, and it is just an absolute <laughs> insult. Whether or not the decision can or would uh, ever be overturned and, and how that was decided, et cetera. D- from uh, your perspective, which is slightly closer to than ours, does, do you think there is a genuine hearing of what is going on here amongst the fans and understanding of the gravity of the situation and uh, um, any kind of, um, wow, we better do this different? approach among the key leaders that you're um, describing there, Sean? I haven't been able to to speak to, to those that really make that decision to, to make that call, Erin. I would like to hope that 
you know, when I get the chance to speak to Simon Pearce and Scott Barlow's and Paul Letterers that um, that they can appreciate that um, that it's my role to represent our club and, and our club includes our, our fans and our members and we, and we haven't in this instance been given that opportunity. Um, and and I think that this is important. I, um, you know, I took plenty of calls today. I think you, know, you would have all read um, you know my posts on on the uh, on the forum. Um, and I wanted to go back to 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 you know, one of the core parts of you know, where our fans you know, speak, you know, and, and and who we speak to, and I wanted to start it there. And um, uh, and yeah, you know what the APL called me about that, and wanted to have a good chat about uh, about all that. So um, and. Um, and maybe I wasn't listening to them at, the, at this point in time. So, um, so, so maybe we'll 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 see how this uh, unravel, unravels in the future. But I know this club, you know, and and us um, are absolutely very passionate about that. We're very supportive, um, you know, of of making sure that that we have a voice and, and we have one that's that's here. And and, and I and I think I, I said it the other day um, because it, you know, as a club. You know, we we are aware of, you know, in, in our past, we have had to make hard financial decisions that weren't at the best interest of football and weren't at the best interest of the club and they were for the long-term, you know, part. So so in some aspects can empathise with with some of that. It's probably the process that is, uh, um, has, has become the most, um, you know, difficult to swallow uh, because the process uh, in, in, in our mind is collaborative, brings football fans, um, you know, we, we want fans to be uh, be first. We've got to treat them that way. Yeah, the the process, but also the the transparency or, or lack of, as as we spoke about, you know, a lot of fans using words like uh, gaslighting and fansplaining, which I, I love that one, Jimmy. That's a really good one, fansplaining. Um, we have seen, of course, a, a number of fan groups, um, including the Yellow Army, um, putting out statements over the over the course of the last couple of days, and um, you know, putting out some pretty uh, or intending some pretty strong action, including walkouts um, on the game. Is that something that the club um, not condones but appreciates and understands at least? Yeah, just please don't take it personal. Yeah, I know, I know, absolutely, and 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 we won't, you know, and we do ask that. Um, uh, that that any of that isn't done in in any way that's detrimental to the to, to the club, uh, even though it's going to hurt us, right? Like it's going to hurt the you know the club financially um, in this. But um, look, you know, I, I made sure that there was um, I made sure that there was a banner that got returned, right? Like you know, and you know, and and, and for me, it was an immediate uh, gesture of, um, of of our support. Uh, uh, I thank you for that. <laughs> that's all right, but you know, um, we do want that. You know, I. I Put myself out there. I'm going to be the bowling club. You know, I um, yeah, I won't be in the corporate area. Um, you know, and uh, and I know I'll get abused. Oh, I know I'll catch some flack, but um, but, but I'll be there. I'm um, um, I'm surprised that there may not be consistency across uh, all the fan groups uh, that's there. So, but I'm you know I'm proud of our club. Uh, I'm proud of you guys and and our fans for uh, for for where you're headed in that. Um, we are supportive of that. Uh, and, uh, and the best thing that can happen is is our boys uh, feel that and win on the pitch. I actually literally just got off uh, the phone talking to Cove. Uh, they are planning a home protest next week. Okay, okay. All right. Well, that, you know, I, I'd rather them them turn up and you know and, and and still make sure that our club isn't affected by um, you know by by their non attendance. Um, you know, it's it's still it's 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 still important um, you know, in in that aspect. And, and look, I also want to make sure that the message gets out. There are plenty of members who a won't understand. Uh, plenty of kids who, yeah, 
that don't, don't get this. They're going to the game. They won't know about it. They will just want to cheer on their team. I don't want any of them to feel like it's uncomfortable or they're doing the wrong thing. Uh, we do have elderly members who won't be able to leave yeah, and those sort of things. So, um, so, uh, so And I we've do. tried to convey that in our messaging as well. Like we, we don't want yeah. anyone to feel guilty with anything that we've posted or anything that we're going to do. Anyone can do, like you do you basically at the end of the day. But the strongest yeah. thing that Yellow Army or any active support group can do is show them what they can do and then take that away. That, that's that's the only ammunition that we have that we can use. Yeah, yeah, and and um, and we support that. Is the A League going to survive this, Sean? Big prediction, I know, but some yeah. people are asking yeah. the question, and yeah. I love it yeah, yeah. myself. Yeah, the the A League will survive it. Um, I think you know people still. Uh, I still hope that people still love our club. People see that this isn't uh, this isn't our club. You know, this isn't our club's. A decision. This isn't. This isn't uh, our club's fight in in some aspects. You know, um, our, our, we made the decision as a club to you know, go through the tough times to become a development club. You know, and to to uh, remind ourselves about becoming a community club a long time ago. Um, and and that that for me is about our stadium. Is about being part of this community. Uh, that's not about Paramount Plus. That's not about you know votes and boards and chairman and and all that other stuff. Um, our players today, you know, they're out in shopping centres, they're wrapping gift presents for, for a charity to raise awareness. Uh, I think that's important um, because, you know what, uh, from the feedback from today, um, there was only one question all day about that. And, uh, and there, were, there were hundreds of people who experienced our players, got to meet them, have a good time and, and enjoy it. And I think that's really, um, you know, really important that, that's, that that for us and our club is it will survive well, our club will survive if the A-League doesn't survive. Yeah, our club will survive. We've, we've gone through the hardest and, and toughest of times and, um, and, um, and, and we are strong. We are, we, are, we are strong in that aspect, regardless of all, of all this crap around us. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, it's, it's good to hear that, um, you know, there, there hasn't been too much backlash, I guess, from uh, or in public appearances and things like that. And good to hear this sort of positive positivity. Um, and I know that you appreciate that, um, you know, we, we, of course, we all still love the club. This isn't about the club whatsoever. This is um, about, you know, the governing body and um, the, the lack of transparency that's occurred, you know, not just on this occasion, but on so many occasions throughout the course of the last few years, uh, which has made it uh, increasingly difficult and increasingly frustrating to support the game in uh, in this country. But we still love the club, of course. I tell you yeah. what, I feel like Obi Wan Kenobi yelling at Anakin Skywalker, telling him that you know he was meant to be the one. <laughs> you were the he chosen, was meant to be the chosen one. <laughs> it's just you know, turn to the dark side and killed a bunch of kids. Can I just make one quick request, Sean? Can you unsay the word never in all of your any comments that you've ever made about the we're never going to be able to have a grand final at Central Coast Stadium, or at least until after I'm dead? Once I'm dead. Well, actually, you know what? You know what? When when it was when I was told on on Saturday morning, and I was at baseball, and I'm wearing my Indians gear, and uh, very very non-football at the time. Um, when when I was told about that, and the way it was positioned was this was a New South Wales government thing. I said, oh, so we, we're in New South Wales, so we can host a grand final. And no one has actually told me that we can't. You know, and, you know, and to, you know, Indians run our stadium. They run ACOR. They run ComBank. Um, I, I'll, I'll retract the word never. And, um, and, and, you know what, fuck it. 
let's let's finish first and let's get a petition out the grand final for us. You know, so, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I will never give up. Hope. I guess, I guess, being that it's a New South Wales government thing, it doesn't matter if we finish first. Now we can finish sixth, and uh, and you know, if we play a grand final against, let's say, Wellington, um, and it has to be in New South Wales, there's potential there. Let's get it going. Um, it's a weird you know sort what? of silver lining after all the negativity of the last couple of days. <laughs> you know okay, what? You so- Moving uh, across to a couple of positives, of course. Um, still a long way away to go yet, but uh, how are things sort of shaping up for, for our dub side? Yeah, look, that's um, that's uh, that's an exciting and daunting and huge process for us. We're still on track, uh, looking for, you know, to, to uh, we're in the shortlist process now for the head coach, uh, the structures and, and how it all come together. So, yeah, looking through early in the new year in January uh, for the announcement of head coach training. Um, yeah, can start from 1 July, so we'll start to see trials, bits and pieces in there 1 July. I think 4th of November is probably the first potential uh, date for, for the uh, for the first home game, which will be exciting. And we've got this great thing called the Women's World Cup uh, in between there and uh, really, really proud that that um, that I'd like to feel that we had a part to play uh, in um, – in, um, in making sure that England uh, um, are based on the coast, and um, uh, to our surprise, Germany, um, yeah, that's there. So, and uh, and how good is that that we've got two uh, two national teams calling the Central Coast home? Um, and you know what? Obviously, obviously, Newcastle may not have been the best region to set up because they they haven't been able to secure anybody. So, um, you know, that's their decision. It wasn't ours, but you know, um, all, all I can say is is the two countries that are. I chose it very wisely. Oh, no. <laughs> they didn't chose Newcastle. They just need to work anyway. a bit harder, a lot harder. <laughs> Any sort of opportunities maybe arising to, to build some relationships there or, or network with um, uh, with the English side or the German side there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, we knew for some time around the English team, or well, I did. Uh, they had uh, reached out to me directly, um, you know, and, and wanted to know a little bit more information on the ground as uh, what's available. And... And through that, um, you know, they've they've expressed their their passion to leave a legacy, their passion to engage with the community, uh, their passion to make sure that when they leave, everybody remembers, you know, how how great it was to have them uh, based here and um, and forever, you know, um, um, have former former connection. So um, can't wait, can't wait to see them out, you know, and um, uh, and keep working with them, and and I think it's really exciting. Of course, we're uh, looking ahead. It's it's. Coming up on us pretty quickly, the NPL season, of course. Our academy boys got promoted to NPL 1, the top tier of state football in uh, in New South Wales. It all kicks off on the first weekend of February, um, so there's a bit of crossover period there with the A-League as well. Is there any sort of potential for, for A-League and NPL doubleheaders uh, at uh, Industry Group Stadium there? Did you say that we'd have two doubleheaders uh, at the back end of the season on round 22 and round 24? Um, um, because that's, that's what I heard. That's what I heard, which is great. Could 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 have been my words. Could have been yours. Who's to say? I'm not sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, yeah if, if that's the case, that's absolutely sensational. And um, yeah, what an opportunity for uh, for for the academy boys to to go around at Central Coast Stadium or Industry Group Stadium. That's brilliant. Yeah, excellent. And you know uh, the official announcements for that. Yeah, still need to get locked in and and still need to go through. Uh, but yeah, we had worked hard to. Uh, make sure that the NPL schedule lined up uh, for that um, for that game against Brisbane Raw and game against Melbourne City um, to um, to line up. I'm trying to remember. I think we had Arpia Leica and uh, and Sydney Olympic. Um, yeah, were were the, were the clubs from memory. Um, that was there. So uh, so we do need to work with them. They don't even know. I don't think. Um, yeah, you know around that. But yeah, the viewpoint is that 
they will be post-match doubleheaders. We'll play the A-League, then we'll play the NPL after that. Um, and, um, and, and how cool, how cool. I don't think that's been done before. Um, to my knowledge, and, and and if someone has done it, I hope they did a good job because I want to do a good job. <laughs> John, can I just say thank you for bringing some uh, good news to today? Yeah, Sean, what great news that we're playing NPL one this year. How good, but importantly, <laughs> will there be beer at the at the game? That's the question. Uh, just put great question. Yes, absolutely. And look, I absolutely hope so because I definitely. Um, you know, would, would be sitting uh, up there with you guys and, and having a beer uh, at Plume Park, that's for sure. So um, I haven't had the discussion with CCF. Yeah, we haven't even thought about it. Um, uh, will we be asking for it? Yes. Uh, am I excited? Yes. Does Plume Park know what's coming? Maybe not. Um, you know, but, but you know, um, this is going to be great. And, you know, and I, and I also want to start a campaign that uh, MCs, ground announcers uh, and broadcasters can have a beer as well while they're talking about NPL, so I think, uh, I think that's an important part of the equation. <laughs> I think it's going to be like a, a great reunion, isn't it? We've got the likes of, tell me if I'm wrong, but I think like we've got Roy coming back to snake us out a bit. We're going to have, um, we're going to have oh, Ziggy coming Ziggy. for a visit to Prune Park. Mm-hmm. Any, mm-hmm. Anyone else? <laughs> I'm forgetting at the moment. Ziggy. Oh, Ziggy. Yeah, Laurie, Olympic, right? That's right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's perfect. Oh, my God. Hey, yes. um, where, where did I see? Where's Mickey Glassy gone? I, I, uh, I, he's signed a pro deal, but he was very coy when I asked him where. I have a sinking feeling it might be at the Jets. Boom. Okay. Boom. Okay. All right. Yeah. There you go. So yeah. I love the bloke. So I, I oh, can't do I anything. I love him dearly. Like if he, if he came back here, I'd, I'd have him back in a heartbeat. But um, yeah, no, he wouldn't. He wouldn't tell me where he signed. So um, really quickly, Sean. Um, we did, of course, at the weekend see the unveiling of the new F3 Derby trophy, uh, the uh, the old concrete slab. Can you tell us how legally was that acquired? Yeah, look, um, I'm unsure about the legalities around that. I do want to pay a you know, mention to, to those um, people that helped um, uh, obtain us that. What I can say is we got the approval from the minister recently uh, post, um, post-trophy <laughs> creation. Um, so, so it's all good now. Um, so, so anyone listening, and a, and a big thank you to Seton Wilson uh, for, um, for for helping play a part in that. Um, and and apologies to anyone who finds a pothole in the freeway uh, for, for work. <laughs> Unless it was the Jets pass on Sunday. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, it, it, it is rumoured to be somewhere around that Huey Huey Bridge, Dora Creek area. So. And thank you, Sean, for actually uh, getting that trophy thing to happen because I I, I think this kind of thing. Uh, is necessary to bring back uh, the only original derby and the best derby, as far as I'm concerned, the one that uh, that has history since the very first game that is often forgotten, consigned to the three o'clock game on a Sunday instead of prime time like it should be. So don't make yeah. me angry again, Moro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so um, fair play yeah, yeah. for doing something out of the box that the APL probably don't approve of entirely um, that actually draws attention to our derby so that we can bring it back where it needs to be. Yeah, look, in all fairness, I never asked for their consultation or their input. Um, you know, so yeah, we just went ahead and did it. <laughs> it's a two-way um, street now, isn't um, it? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but in saying that, we do want to redo the base. Uh, we do want it to be, you know, a trophy that that's, does have the longevity and, um, you know, the credibility around it. Um, and look, you know, at the end of the at the end of the game, yeah, Monty, you know, his first words were, "Sorry, mate, I didn't." When you lump of concrete, and 
Um, you know, and, and so it actually meant something, you know, straight away. And I said, well, mate, look, yeah, reality is we, it's a three-game series, this one, and, you know, just go, just go and fucking beat them next time. Exactly right. Got a chance to square the ledger in the next few days back at home again against that lot from up the road. Um, Sean, always a pleasure having you on board. Thank you uh, so much for taking the time. I know it's been a hectic, hectic couple of days that we really appreciate you having, having uh, or making, making this on for us. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me on. Uh, appreciate the honesty. Looking forward to seeing everyone on Saturday, even if it might only be for a little period of time. But I'm sure at the end of it, I'll be having a beer somewhere with some of these. Yep, 100%. Sign me up. I'm all in. Cool. Love you. Thanks again, Sean. Cheers. Thanks, Sean. Cheers, guys. Thank you Love you. You're listening to the Coast Football Ramble Podcast. You always come up with a good question. It is, of course, that time of the week where we answer your questions. And thank you all so much, of course, as always, for all your submissions across the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the ccmfans.net forum starting on Facebook with Ben Jones, what activities would the APL have to add to the grand final week of football to make it not a stupid fucking idea? Here's an idea. I, I could just bin I, the entire thing. Just, yeah, yeah. Fuck it off. Put multiple bins around the ground and throw the idea <laughs> in there. That's the only thing I can think of. I suppose you I can could add a couple of activities like, you know, like Bash, Bash and MacArthur mascot day or something. I don't know. <laughs> I think it's just Jimmy free Jason's t- a ruler and a half half. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it just free tickets and travel there and uh, free accommodation and um, oh, I wouldn't mind a limo from my joint as well. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're all all right. You know, second choice. <laughs> Uh, Sarah Ellen on Facebook could Pete Pryor have spat out the Jets lineup on the weekend any faster than he did um, I'll give it a crack on the 21st I'll see how we go I'll try and do it like Eminem's rap god or something Scotty McGee, very disappointing getting done by those fuckwits. A few positives, though, I guess. Dan Hall was outstanding. Yes, he was. So good to see him back. Yes, it is. I felt like Vuka and the cum dog could have done a bit more, though. Got to agree. Yep. I liked the uh, Hall and Nectar uh, partnership overall. Um, maybe a couple of little things there to fix. Maybe maybe on the first goal, we'll have to rewatch it again. But, um, yeah, enjoyed that. And, yeah, thought... thought uh, yeah, the cum dog didn't have too much of an influence outside of the goal. Mm. Mm. Um, quick shout out to Scotty, though. Of course, it was his band, the Ritzy Kids. He's the drummer for the Ritzy Kids. They uh, uh, had a couple of songs um, pre-game there at the stadium. Absolutely sensational, and they will be headlining the Sunken Monkey this Friday night. Um, tickets, I think. Uh... I'm not sure how much I are. Check Facebook. The Ritzy Kids on Facebook. Um, Blake Hepworth, he doesn't remember, remember a game this week. I am going to try and forget it myself. Johnny Needham wants to thank the offspring because if it wasn't for the fact that he was interviewing them, uh, he would have had to have watched that shit show on Sunday. Um, I think Johnny just, you know, a bit of a flex here. Humble brag. The offspring, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a big flex. That's a that's huge a big flex. flex. Yeah. No, shout out to Johnny. Though. That's sensational. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's good. That's a very good get. Um, over on Twitter, where Rocky, Captain Swish23, does Caltech walk back into the starting 11? No. I'd like you to go first here, Pete. 
Um, no, no, Hall and Triantis, baby. That's uh, that's my um, <clears throat> at the heart of defence and at the heart of my heart. Yep. No, I agree. Yep, um, I agree. Is there any chance that Nectar is injured? He wasn't a hundred percent when he came off. Yeah, he was straight down mm. the tunnel. Um, so so it might be Caltech and Hall. Yeah, yeah, because uh, the next question is, any updates on Storm and Kalechi? Are they injured? Kalechi, obviously not in the match day squad um, on the weekend. Neither was Storm. He was a late withdrawal with a toe complaint. Uh, good to see Sash Kazevsky, though, getting um, getting into the squad, getting on the bench for the first time in the A-League. Uh, over to Instagram, where Dane Owen Wilson wants to know, do you guys think the whole Sydney grand final debacle will go ahead after seeing all the fan backlash? By the way, I love you, Aaron. Is <laughs> <laughs> that a relative, Aaron? Who said that? Who was that? Dane Wilson. Dane Wilson. Hmm. Hello, Dane. <laughs> <laughs> you, you need video for that one, eh? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I don't know. Dane is not related to me, and he's not one of my burners either. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, this this whole ABL thing is still unfolding. Twenty four plus hours later, by the time this comes out, probably forty eight by the time this is out, um, still very much unfolding. And I I don't see how they can go ahead with it with the amount of backlash that there's been. That's just to keep it very short. Um, I think they they have to reverse it somehow and they've shown a very clear lack of understanding of what football is about, especially here. I don't think they're going to reverse it. I think it's going to stay and they're going to try and explain their way out of it. And I think to some degree they'll succeed in the financial stakes of trying to explain it. And I think some of the chair people and CEOs have probably already attempted this line a little bit because they probably know they have to. Um which is a bit sad because I think that it's ups- it's upsetting that this is, you know, the commercial side of um in of um sport, um it, it, money appears to be the main thing here. Um, so hopefully I'm wrong. Yeah, very fluid situation. Very interesting to see how it pans out over the coming days. Um, Adam Thompson wants to know: with the loss of Qual imminent and a subpar performance on Sunday, can we still make finals? There's still like 20 games to go, so yes, we can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not uh, not throwing the toys out of the cot yet, but we've definitely got a couple of things to fix, but we've shown at our best um, what we can do. So that's the standard we've just got to get back to. And we show glimpses and there's positives there, like um, uh, our Brazilian uh, legend there, Tulio, uh, showed some signs on the weekend. So there's still plenty of positives. I'm, I haven't given up hope, that's for sure. Bikini Girl on the ccmfans.net forum has a question uh, for some of us more than others. Is Matt Leckie the best ever Socceroo? Oh. Well, I mean, if you, if you... Three weeks oh, ago. Go on. <laughs> That's a tough one. That's if you ask me after he scored the Denmark goal, then yes, but now, no. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he still wasn't after he scored the Denmark goal for me because you know, Matt Simon's been capped, Nick Merger's been capped. They're you know straight away two ahead of him, um, and uh, I believe I'm reliably inf- informed Tommy P was also capped. So there you go. There's your top three. Easy. Shout out Millay as well. I was about to say Millay and Nack as well. 
Yeah, look, he impressed me, but um, no, I've already eaten humble pie for saying that um, the the dingo should be in instead of him, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and that that uh, he might be washed up and fine. I ate the pie; it wasn't that nice, but I ate it anyway. <laughs> but that doesn't mean that I think that he's our greatest ever. That's all. I'll just back over to Instagram where Jeremy Lumby wants to know: Were the team just flat on the weekend, or were we actually outcoached? Bit of both. Game planned. Yeah, I don't know about our coached, but definitely our game planned on the on the day, from what from what I saw. Yeah, definitely a bit of both. I think um, you know we we didn't seem to be able to react or didn't react at the right time or couldn't react or yeah, but but yeah, we were also flat. And Alexander V91 wants to know, should Garangsky get a start this weekend? In his opinion, yes, he's definitely earned a spot in the starting 11. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, that's a tough one. Does he, does he start the New Year's Eve game as his, like, farewell? Oh, he's got to. Because, I mean, you know, the, yeah. the tradition for a leaving player is you bring them off at a, at a certain point in time during the game. You're not going to bring him on just to bring him off, yeah. you know, shortly after, are you? So I think he's he's definitely got to at least start the New Year's game. But does he start this weekend? I don't know. The the last, the only game that he's really started was uh, also against Sydney in that Australia Cup game. And, you know, he wasn't, um, wasn't underwhelming. Um, I think underwhelming is the right word, but he wasn't um, the same, didn't bring that same sort of X factor that he does when he when he comes off the bench and and you know hits the ground running and injects himself into the game like he does. I'm still happy with the bench appearances yeah. at the moment. Um, and I know I know what you're saying about New Z, but Monty doesn't strike me as the kind of uh, sentimental coach. Coach, yeah, to do that just for the sake of being able to take him off. I don't think unless something drastically changes and we 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 lose these next sort of couple of games leading up to New Year's Eve and he thinks he has to try and do something drastic. Um, I don't, I don't think he starts a game. And- yeah. I'm a, I'm a subscriber to the theory that I'm not sure that he should either. I don't, you know, we don't really need to fix what's broke. I want to see as many minutes of him play as I can, but it doesn't mean it's good for the Mariners even necessarily if he does. Um, we want to win these football games. Um, and I think that will be Monty's approach. So I'll be surprised if he starts because he has that impact and, yeah, there isn't any evidence that he won't, um, that he will have that kind of impact if he does start. So for the longer term, it doesn't hurt us to try different ways that we can play the game without him as well. So, yeah, I don't see it. Mel Ange over on the ccmfans.net forum wants to know, are some of us too fickle? Three games ago, many of us were lauding Mariners' best ever performance and our incredible squad, and now, well, not so much. No, I don't think so. I think you you can only call it, you're only as good as your last game for me. I think that's fair. Yeah, and we, we, um, we pod. Uh, when we're losing, so we're not fickle. Uh, <laughs> just saying. And uh, also, we have actually made an art form out of potting for years on end when we were losing almost constantly. So, so oh man, we're certainly the not fickle. Of pods this we've room. done the amount of pods that we have done after losses. 
Yeah, I, I dare mean, say it's probably one to three compared to wins. Yeah, so, I dare yeah. say winning pods are still catching up with losing pods, but um, absolutely. No, uh, but, oh, sometimes fans can be a bit fickle, and at the at the moment, I think it's important that we try and you know appeal to those fans who can be a bit fickle. So hopefully, we can develop a bit of consistency. That because there's clearly an entertainment proposition there for Mariners fans and Central Coasties to come and have a look at, but we've got to. Um, make it consistent and get some wins as well to really sort of rub that in and get our locals there. I saw at the gate a lot of old Mariners shirts coming into the game and a lot of Socceroos shirts coming into the game, and that was good. I was going to say, and I think an important probably distinction is, is it fickle or do we have higher standards now than what we did three seasons ago? I think it's a combination of those, but also remembering how easy it is just to slip into the dark times because we've been so exposed to them. You know, football fans at our very core are, you know, we are fickle, yes. Um, yes, we have been subject to a higher standard for the last couple of years, but it's it's easier to hit that panic button now because we've seen both ends of the spectrum, how good it can be, but also how easy it is to fall into that cacophony of shit. That's a very good turn of phrase. Thanks. <laughs> Especially that last bit. I'll have to go and sort of work it all out. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I, 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 We don't call it the ramble for nothing. Um, you know, that was just a stream of absolute verbal diarrhea. Hopefully it made sense. Uh, Melange also wants to know if the pod plans to cover Mariners women, the dub next year. We for haven't sure. really spoken about it in depth, but um, I think we can look at a few options around that, maybe doing something a little bit different. Um, but yes, rest assured, I'm sure that in one form or another, there will be coverage. Yeah, on the table in some degree, for sure. Mm. Absolutely. All Mariners, Coast Football. Yeah. It's going to be fun times. 20 plus more games of the Mariners to watch each season. So it's great news and keen to, keen to cover it for sure. Mm. New mm. heroes, potential interviews. Maybe even you know, uh, new new panelists potentially. Yeah, all the yeah. Uh, all the options. Out with the saying. old, in with the new. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and of course, Ben Ten on the CCMFans.net forum, Marco Tulio. He seems to divide opinion. Keen to hear what you guys think. I'm on the I'm on the train. I'm on the bus. You're on the Tulio train. The Toot Toot Tulio. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was what? He was a bloody post away from. Score on a very good goal. Not even a post, yeah. In the opening half, 30 half seconds. Post, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, that would have been a very, very tidy finish and probably would have changed the complexion of the game because the Newcastle would have had to come out and really come at us, which in the end was probably our downfall when um, they could just sort of sit back and, uh, you know, sort of uh, preserve what they had for the most part. Um, but yeah, I like him. I like his energy. I think he's he's seemingly looks like he's getting more and more match fit, which is good. Um, there was there was one one point on the weekend, one touch where he brought the ball down sort of over the top of his head and uh, it was a very, very tidy bit of work. So there's those little glimpses there, which are really good. Um, and yet hopefully when Garang goes and we sort out our visas and who's going to stay, etc. cetera, um, I, I think by that stage he'll be... He'll be a good replacement. He's due a goal for sure because he played really well against the Wanderers, had a couple of chances in that first half, I remember, in that game. Hits the post in this game. So 
I reckon he's due a goal pretty soon. Yeah, I'm Coolio with um, Tulio. He um, he is just you know slowly improving, just little by little. And yeah, there was a couple of um, spectacular touches there. Actually, he bought one right into his stride. Might be the one you're talking about, Luke, where he was at full tilt and um, the ball lands and he collects it with the sort of outside and um, laces of his boot and keeps going at the same pace. Nice stuff. And there was great composure there. He was very unlucky not to score when he hit the post. So, yep, definitely think he, um, you know, he's he has to fight it out with um, the returning Maresh, perhaps. Who knows? Mm, yeah, absolutely. There were whispers that Maresh might have signed a, a contract extension recently as well, um, which bodes well for his return, hopefully in January when the registration window opens. Um, because you'll have him. He'll be like a new signing coming in. Um, Tulio hopefully hitting his straps by then. And I seem to recall that Wanderers away game as well, where Tulio, did he hit the woodwork pretty early on in that one as well? I feel like it I did just from... remember that chance. Yeah, I just remember that chance that he had yeah. where he sort of brought it down from Faz's crossfield. That's right, yeah. And sort of, hit it, sort of hit it on the half volley and almost scored. So, yeah. Mm. Yeah, it wasn't far off. Yeah, very, very similar. Yeah. Um, position to to the one that he hit the post from um on on sunday i should say rather but um yeah no i think he'll uh he'll only continue to improve as he adjusts to the to the league and to the side and the side sort of adjusts around him as well let's have a quick look ahead to this weekend of course uh sydney fc making the trip up to industry group stadium here on the central coast graham park forever Graham Park forever, baby. Yeah, Blue Tongue. Graham Park, then Blue Tongue and Central Coast Stadium, proudly sponsored by Industry Group. Um, It's going to be a tough one, of course. Sydney coming off the back of a 2-1 victory against Melbourne City on the weekend. Us coming off the back of a defeat at the hands of that lot from up the road who we don't mention anymore. Um, Fellas, how do you think this one's going to shape up? I I still don't rate Sydney that highly. (laughs) I mean, they, they've they've had a very very indifferent start to the season, and I mean things go another way on the weekend. And they I think they they would have been two one and four to start the season, I think, um, which you know is almost uh, Steve Corriger out, you know, sort of areas. Um, but I I think City might might have sort of suffered from the old Socceroo syndrome as well a bit with Leckie and McLaren. Um, sort of returning, they, they maybe as weren't as um, weren't as cohesive as what they normally are going forward. Um, and yeah, Sydney did what they had to and ended up getting the uh, chocolates in the end. But I'd yeah, I, I still watch I still watch them, and I'm, I I still think they're absolutely there for the taking, especially their back four. Mm. I mean, Rodwell Donicky. Um, Ryan Grant and Caballo are not exactly the most things inspiring backline. Um, mm. So, uh, you know, again, I think midfield battle, Luke Bratton, Caceres, and uh, I think Retray, to be fair, was quite good um, against Melbourne City. So that's that's going to be uh, a uh, a pretty key one as well in the midfield again, which we we completely lost the midfield battle uh, against the Jets. So that's that's my big thing for this weekend is how does that how does that midfield 
bounce back um, against them to to what we did against the Wanderers, which is sort of our that's our sticking point sort of game for where that's where the standard needs to be. How do we get back to that in the midfield? And I think they're there for the taking. Going to have to keep our eye on Burgess as well. I thought he played pretty well. I was about to say, yeah, he looks like he's coming back into form there, Burgess, which is concerning. And with players like Lolly as well providing width um, and LaFondra coming back as well uh, from a from a layoff there and scoring at the weekend, yeah, they've they've got danger. Um, Max a pretty handy player as well. Along yeah, with Luke a bit because I felt like they've they. You know, they rode their luck at times a little bit with City and they got what they grafted out of it, but it wasn't exactly the most beautiful way to carry off a football match. And from the point of view of this game, then I feel like we um, are good enough to compete easily with them if we're at our best. So our our focus will, of course, be on ourselves and not really on them. And if it is and we... Um, we'll need to be better than we were on the weekend, then I think we can definitely do it. But we'll need to be better across the park and off the park as well. We'll need a better plan and we'll need to carry it out better than we did on Sunday. Mm. And hopefully it's not as hot because <laughs> I know both teams had to play in that on the weekend, but it felt like it impacted us more, more than Newcastle, which I think that also came back to you know, their game plan worked for the conditions as well. But outside of all that, I why do we play derbies at three o'clock on a Sunday? Can that be a thing? Why is why is this a thing? It shouldn't be a thing. I'm firmly of the belief that if if there's no other major rivalries on in the round, if there's no Sydney Derby, there's no Melbourne Derby, there's there's no Sydney FC victory, there's no victory Adelaide, whatever. There's no reason, yeah, yeah. There's there's no reason why the F3 derby shouldn't be in a prime time slot to at least attempt to try and get it back to what it once was, which it might never get there, especially right now. But um, you know, it's it's going to improve the football. It's going to improve the crowd. You know, I I saw I saw a comment on the weekend. Um, and he might even be listening to this, that uh, he he decided to go to the beach with his kids instead of coming to the game because it was just way too hot to go and sit there at the game for a couple of hours. And I can't I can't really blame anyone for doing that because you play games in, in that time slot uh, in summer in a coastal place. Uh, I didn't particularly enjoy staying there for two hours in the sun either, but I did it. <laughs> But I would much rather a uh, seven thirty kickoff or something, or you know, like even a six o'clock would be good. And it's uh, one of them ones that really grind my gears. And you know, last season we had the two games on at the same time on a Saturday night, which I actually liked, but it got heaps of flack, um, and a lot of people whinged about it. Which you know, I'm, I'm still not really sure why outside of reasons around I like to watch every game well that's great but you can't watch you can't watch every APL game every weekend either because it's impossible to do so when we had the two games on the Saturday night it gave us an option to you know to to be able to have games later because we didn't have to try and cram everything in um, that's that's it's a very frustrating 
thing for me around the scheduling. So, Well, they are still going to be having the two games on a Saturday night in future, and they have a few times already this season. It's a 5 o'clock uh, kickoff on a Saturday now instead of the 7.45 um yeah that they're going to be doing not over the holiday period but i think that returns uh looking at the schedule here on the 7th of january um when we host adelaide and sydney host wellington at the same time um the way that the draw has lined up though a lot of saturday night games seem to or a lot of saturday games i should say seem to have either wellington playing at home which is a one o'clock kickoff our time um or they have Perth playing at home, so ten thirty kickoff our time. So the matches are staggered out. Um, but one hundred percent, like in terms of derby games, you know, trying to re-energize and reignite that um, that rivalry and and you know build it back up to where it was. Um, three p.m. Sunday, uh, three p.m. Sunday kickoffs. <laughs> Not for me. I would, I would Not say. It. The, the APL, I think we've just learned that they don't care what we think um, and they don't care what we think. So because they don't care what we think, then they just put us where they'll bear us. We probably should think ourselves lucky mm-hmm. we get to play our home games at Central Coast Stadium um, because <laughs> they don't care. Um, but on the point is actually shout out to the clubs and uh, joke or laugh if you want about the rock, the piece of concrete, the the core sample, whatever you, what we're going to call it, that is the clubs putting their own foot forward in, and the APL even being ignorant of why, when, um, and that that was happening um, in an effort to actually do what you were just saying, Pete, which I think is super important because they've all forgotten that it's the only original derby, despite the ones they've tried to make up and continue to try and make up more non-neighbouring derbies um, while ours exists and they ignore it away. So, yeah, I don't think we're, it's going to change. It's sad, unfortunately, that it seems that football's too aligned with the commercial arrangements right now. Well, after all that, fellas, uh, score predictions for this Saturday. 2-1, us. 1-1. One, one. I think we're bouncing back. I'm with Luke, 2-1. I don't want to be negative. Um, I'm getting the finger across the monitor here from Morrow. Um, do I be a negative Nelly or a positive Petey? Oh, where's this one going? Could lie either side of the tracks here. 3-1 Mariners. Look at that. That's positive. Thank That's you. Good. Look at that. Thank you. That. No more birds. Turn that frown upside down. <laughs> yeah, for now. <laughs> As Moz turns the finger upside down, that is about all we have time for this week once again on the coast football ramble podcast thank you all so much once again for tuning in and uh well until saturday afternoon love you see you bye I'm going to go cry in the bathroom. Da, da, da.